So today's talk is about uh, non-residents to the UK and actually trying to explain what that means in, in, a, in a lot more detail. People often come to me with this. Tax residence is not the same as uh, your residence of where you live. It's not the same as your citizenship. It's not the same as your domicile. And all these things have a, a factor in determining what your, your tax residence is at, at any particular time. So this is what we're going to look at today to try and get some deep clarity on what the difference is and what we're in fact talking about uh, when, when we're talking about uh, what, what my tax residence is. Um, and you know, tax residence or not tax residence, that is the question uh, for, for today. Your citizenship doesn't necessarily mean where you're taxed. So expats are living and working abroad and we're, we're not necessarily a resident of the country in which we're um, uh, um, not necessarily a citizen of the country in which we're a tax resident. Um, however, you can be a tax resident in one country and work in another and be a citizen of a third country. So these are, are the, the multifaceted things. So expats who, who may have a, a dual citizenship, uh, whether that was taken out with Brexit based upon ancestry in India or China or Ireland or, or Spain or Gibraltar, wherever you're, you're, you're descendant from, you could potentially get a, a dual citizenship on, on that. Um, <clears throat> expats who live and work abroad um, uh, under international law, once you stay more than five years, you can get a permanent residency. But then depending upon each individual country's laws, you could get a, a dual citizenship. So an expat who's lived in Spain for more than 10 years could apply for citizenship. But in other countries like um, uh, Ireland and the UK, an expat can apply for citizenship after only five years. Same with France. Uh, so that will make a difference. But the, the uh, is, issue around that um, is complicated for EU expats um, post-Brexit. So uh, Brexit came along and a long uh, negotiating period and withdrawal. Although Brexit technically happened at the end of December, uh, there was a grace period to the end of June 2021 uh, for uh, uh, expats to get registered as EU residency rules. So any expat living and working in the UK uh, be um, registered on a settled or non-settled status um, before the end of June 2021 have the, an EU residency status. Now that's not citizenship, it's EU residency status to live and work abroad in, in that country for the rest of their lives. So a UK expat could have an EU resident status in Spain or in Cyprus or in Greece or in Romania or Germany. That doesn't entitle them to travel freely necessarily around the EU, but it does entitle them to live and work in that country within the EU. That can be converted after five years to permanent residency still under the EU rules. So an, an EU expat in the UK, once they've been there five years, can, can apply for permanent residency and citizenship 
in the UK to live and work without any of the new uh, border restriction, immigration controls and visa requirements. And it's the same for UK expats in the EU. If you've got a residency that predates the registration, predates uh, the end of June, then you've got that status, that EU status for the rest of your rest of your life. Um, and once you've got that status, that allows you to have uh, a tax residency in that country. And that tax uh, environment may be very favourable to you if it's Portugal, if it's Cyprus, uh, and possibly looking at other countries like Bulgaria, Romania, um, uh, have, have, uh, and Malta have relatively lower rates of tax for, for expats, family or business. For example, Cyprus, you can pay a flat rate 5% tax on pension income uh, from around the world. So that can be very attractive uh, as opposed to other countries where um, in the previous years, an expat could go to Spain and not pay tax in the UK and not declare it in Cyprus. Well, you can't do that now because of tax uh, residency rules and how things have tightened up. And uh, with Brexit, the the the. Uh, it held up a new piece of EU legislation. The EU decided in 2019 that they're going to tighten up the EU residency for expats around the EU. So no matter which country you're citizen of, when you relocate into another country within the EU, you're still an EU citizen, but you still have to have that residency there. So although you've technically got freedom of movement around the EU, Somebody moving from Germany to Spain or from uh, Portugal to Cyprus has to have a, a, a residency in that location um, under EU rules before they can uh, uh, take up work in that country. So you can got freedom of movement as an EU citizen around the EU. And this includes UK expats who've, who've got that EU residency uh, uh, certificate. But to then move around the EU, you, you, you need a, a, a new style of EU ID, which has only been introduced uh, as a full requirement from July 2021. So the day after uh, uh, the Brexit window closed for UK expats and expats in the UK registering, uh, a new set of rules came into force across the EU. So uh, applied from August last year, uh, every EU citizen has to have a biometric ID with facial recognition, fingerprints uh, at least, as well as linked to their passport and their permanent address in that country. So if, if you're a French expat going to live in France, uh, you have to have a biometric residency uh, registration, in uh, EU registration in Cyprus before you can become a tax resident in Cyprus. Irrespective that you've got your French ID and, and you've got your French passport and your French citizenship, you still need that residency in the new EU country before you can get a tax residency there. 
So, th th and this this is quite a profound little catch to make sure that everybody who's an expat is registered for tax. So now an expat cannot register uh, for tax residency in another EU country unless they've got a residency permit. So, um, and again, we're including, when we say EU residents, we're including UK expats with a, a EU residency received under the rules before the end of June 2021. So an e EU expat can... Uh, live and work in the country in which they're registered to be tax resident. They've got freedom of movement around the EU, but that freedom of movement is limited uh, in, 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 a, in, a, in a way that they can uh, travel across borders without passports, uh, but you can't carry on your economic activity. To clarify that a bit, under international law, 90 days travel on short business or personal trips is allowed. Now, you might, a, a specific country might require a visa still uh, to enter into, say, Russia, you have to have a visa. So you can still have those requirements. Um, but uh, it, that doesn't affect your tax residency status. So uh, an expat living in Spain can go and work uh, temporarily for up to three months in France and return to Spain without having to be a tax resident in Spain. Um, so short working trips across border from Netherlands to Germany, uh, Cyprus to Greece it, it is not counted as tax resident, but it could have an impact later on. Um, but now, the new EU rules with ID, biometric ID, even though you've got to have that before you can make your tax re registration. So um, they, they've linked your data from your home country, your facial recognition, your, your fingerprints, your passport, your home country. They've linked that all together before you can become a tax resident in that new EU country. And, and that, that is the key and that is the essence. Uh, uh, an EU expat can't move around the EU uh, and expect to be able to just automatically work and get a job in that new country. It, it's not possible now. To get the tax residency, you need to have your permanent home in that country. So that's quite a significant change. And it allows the EU uh, to monitor uh, uh, where people are living and working at any time uh, for, for tax reasons. <clears throat> so, uh, for example, if you want to be a tax resident in Cyprus, you have to have that um, tax residence. You have to have the residency visa. You have to have a permanent home in that country. Um, and then you can start uh, uh, registering for tax and to do your economic activity from there. Um, you, just, you need to have 180 days to become tax resident in that country, for example, Cyprus. But then once you become tax resident for that year, then you've got some flexibility, but you've got some rules. And those rules change country by, by country. I 
have to put my glasses on because I can't see the chat notes to see if anybody's asking a specific question. If people do, I can respond directly to the question either during the, the, the talk or, or afterwards. Um, <clears throat> so um, what, what we're trying to define here is that residence isn't tax residence. Pardon me. <laughs> Siri wants to say something to me, but I'm not sure what. Um, you've got residence is not tax residence. Just because you live in a country doesn't mean you're tax resident in the country. So a UK expat sitting in Spain, uh, who's not a tax resident in the UK, um, they, they still they they have a tax liability to in Spain. And if they're not tax resident in Spain, then they have a tax resident in the UK, uh, liability in the UK. So same if you're working in Dubai, a zero tax. But if you're not a proper tax resident in Dubai, then a UK expat has a liability back in the UK. And that liability is based upon your domicile. Your domicile is not your tax residence. So you need your residence, your residency permit or your residency visa. Or, um, which is not the same as your citizenship. You know, where your citizenship is one thing, your residence is the next thing, your tax residence is the next thing, and, and then your domicile has it has an impact. So once you're tax resident, that is your base for your worldwide tax liability. Um, now, if you want to be non-resident from your uh, home country from where you're domiciled or from where you're citizen of then it becomes a different set of rules so domicile is not the same as tax residence so domicile is where you're from so it's where your parents are born uh, where your parents are from what your parents citizenship is um, and it's where you were born so you you could be an expat born to expat parents um, but still be uh, of of the home country, so U.S. Uh, expats um, living in um, Germany uh, could have a, a a child that could be an American citizen, uh, even though their parents were living and working in Germany, and the child was born in in Germany. Um, however, if the child uh, and the family stay in Germany. The, the child could acquire German citizenship as well as uh, a citizenship based upon their, their domicile in the home country. In that basis, for example, there's many British people with uh, dual citizenship with our island uh, from previous migrations of parents um, moving under the free trade uh, zone between the UK and, uh, and, and Ireland to live and work in, in each other's countries. So that, that, that would be um, a, a sort of consideration. So your domicile is where you're from, is where your origins are. Your domicile can change, but the certain way to change your domicile is over 20 years. If you're tax resident in another jurisdiction for 17 out of 20 years, you can choose a domicile of where you are. So if you live and work in, in Dubai for 20 years, and at least... 17 of those are a tax resident, you can claim a, a, a Dubai domicile and, and forsake a UK domicile, which would then 
free you from, for example, inheritance taxes on worldwide uh, wealth um, and, and taxes on worldwide income. Okay, So your domicile gives you a default liability to tax on your capital and your income on worldwide earnings. Okay, um, and, and that is only released when you have a, a legal tax residence in another jurisdiction. And that legal tax residence in another jurisdiction um, can only come when you've got a legal residence uh, permit in that country, which might mean a, a visa in a non-EU country, or it means at least for EU expats to have a, a residency permit, biometric resident permit in, in, in the country in which they're resident. Green card in the States would be the equivalent. So all those things matter. So it doesn't matter what your passport is. Um, it, it, it depends upon your tax resident about whether you're going to pay tax on your worldwide income or not. And where your domicile is, is your default. So UK expats working around the world have want to retain a, a non-resident to the UK tax status to pay tax in Cyprus on, on pensions at 5%. Cyprus has a 0% dividend tax, for example, um, and, and corporation tax at 12.5%. But to enjoy those as a tax resident for your business or, or yourself, you have to be a resident in that country. And if you become non-resident, if, if you break the non-resident rules from the UK, your domicile country, then you, you open yourself liable to taxation on worldwide income. Um, and that is what non-residence rules are about. Non-residence rules are about confirming your tax residence in another country. If you're not paying tax and you're not registered anywhere um, and the UK find out, then potentially they can tax you on worldwide income. And tax is one of those wonderful things that if you break the rules, it's, tax, it's criminal law, so you become a criminal no matter that you've been trying to run a business or, or make a living um, all your life in an honest manner, uh, you become a criminal. Uh, so, for example, Belize was for years a, 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 a tax haven. and You can still incorporate in, in Belize and have 0% tax liability for your incorporated business in Belize. However, you know they now have a tax code, so their companies have to be registered and they have to do returns and file accounts. And what... Although you don't pay any tax in Belize, it opens that, uh, that uh, offshore corporation and trusts to scrutiny from the international community. So, uh, as we always say at ProAct, uh, keep it honest and keep it fair and keep it open uh, to save tax, not to evade or, or avoid unnecessarily, but just to make sure that the most amount of tax uh, goes to your family and your business and, and not to the taxman. So <clears throat> where you're domiciled is, is key if you don't have a legitimate and legal uh, tax residence in place. Um, the, the kind of incomes that, that uh, you can uh, mitigate by having a tax residence abroad include uh, any earnings in that other country. It can include interest from, from bank. It can include any dividends. So if you've got a, an offshore company, um, if you've got a UK company, you're working at a personal service 
company contractor uh, based in, in Dubai, based in the Middle East, based in Cyprus, based in, 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 in anywhere in Europe, um, and you're operating out of a UK personal service company, it's possible to have a flat rate UK corporation tax, 19%, maintain your contracts in the UK, and pay a dividend strategy um, uh, where the, the dividends are taxed in your country and where, where you're based. Now, if that's Cyprus, your dividend tax is 0%. Um, now, there's countries that, that you could operate a company with a lower rate of tax, um, but they come with different restrictions in different countries. But essentially, it's still possible to pay 12.5% corporation tax. So, um, a smaller turnover contracting company w would still use a very low, light touch UK company uh, where the contract can be valid uh, for their work. But a, a larger company, um, um, <clears throat> sorry, with larger incomes, the potential for tax saving by using uh, Cyprus or Malta or another jurisdiction for your for a tax rate registration. Um, Cyprus also benefits that. If you're tax resident uh, and you're receiving dividends, you can you pay zero percent tax. Um, so the, the, there's still a royalty tax, uh, which again is flat rate, ten percent in Cyprus, but um, dividends is not percent. So if you've got a, a four hundred thousand a year income through your personal service company and you're a Cyprus tax resident, you could pay yourself four hundred thousand of dividends and pay 0% tax. Now, okay, you've already paid corporation tax on that. So income, less expenses equals profit, uh, pay corporation tax a flat rate 19%, and then no further tax on, on the dividends. It's obviously better than paying 45% tax uh, in, in the UK uh, or higher rates in other countries around the EU. Um, any most pensions, dividends and annuities that are paid are, are movable income. So they're taxed where you're tax resident. So anybody who's expat with a pension or annuity uh, can, can have that tax paid abroad. And again, that can be very low tax rate. So Cyprus have a flat rate pension tax of 5%. So someone could uh, uh, draw a pension be, uh, of, of 50000 a year, pay 5% flat rate tax on that in Cyprus uh, and still take dividends without paying any tax at all. So depending upon your income mix, um, that, that, that can make quite a big difference. Uh, the, the, um, the, the other scenario that you've got is with a country like Cyprus is that they have a 60-day rule. So if you're uh, a Cyprus-based tax resident as an individual, and you go to carry out your work in another jurisdiction, say the Dubai, um, um, or any other jurisdiction where it's not being taxed at source. So you're operating through your Cyprus corporation. Um, the, the income coming to the Cyprus company would, would be corporation tax 12.5%. Um, but if the expat is carrying out the work abroad and spending... Uh, around 60 days a year in Cyprus, um, taxes only um, charged on income that's remitted into Cyprus. So if you get that income paid abroad, 
into a foreign bank account, then uh, even though you're Cyprus tax for the whole year, Cyprus have this concession to um, uh, contract workers around the world, where they don't pay any income tax on on that on that foreign income. Um, the the there is also though. So an expat is looking to protect themselves against non-residents at all times. This is what they're looking to do. So have your tax residence uh, to protect yourself from tax from your country of domicile. Um, and that all works very well. Um, but what, what we want to consider then, that the, the final point I want to consider in, in this webinar is that what happens if 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 there's a, a breach or what happens if there's not a double taxation treaty between the two countries, then it becomes um, slightly different. And you could have a, a, a dual, dual taxation situation. Now, the double taxation treaty allows you to pay your interest, your, your bank uh, interest, your royalties, your pensions, annuities and dividends in your country of tax residence along with the earnings. Um, but any other... Uh, capital gains or income earned from another country could still be taxed in, in that home country. Um, and so you could have a, a dual residency situation. Now, under a double taxation treaty, you shouldn't be paying any more income than you would. So if the UK tax rate is 20% and you've paid 5%, you'd only pay another 15 to the UK. However, um, dual, dual uh, Dual tax residency could mean that um, the domicile rules mean you can take a lot more of your worldwide income uh, to claim against your your tax. If there's um, a, so you could have a partial tax assessment on foreign income, um, and what what you need to do then is there could become a tie break. Now, a tie break decides whether you're resident or non-resident, and when it comes down to the tie break, what it what it looks what what the two tax authorities are looking at to decide whether you're taxed in one country of residence or the other, uh, uh, whether it's dual taxation or no taxation, is where is your permanent home, and and um, where where not just where is your permanent home. So you could argue that your permanent home is in one country. Um, but if your vital interests, your work is being carried out in another and your income is in another, then then that, that vital interest could become the dominant country for tax residents. Where you, where you are habitually has, is a factor. So if you you base yourself in, a, a, in Portugal as a low tax registration and you frequently travel, then habitually you're coming back to, to Portugal then that, that, that Portugal can claim that, that tax residence. Um, but if you're going from Portugal and going everywhere else but back to Portugal at the end, you're not showing habitually that you're coming back to, coming back to Portugal, coming back to the UK. Um, conversely, if UK expats, if you keep tripping into the UK once a month, they could argue that habitually you're going back to the UK, habitually you're working. So you could be remote working uh, under a contract, going to the UK to remote work. But if you're 
spending two weeks a month or one week a month in the UK working remotely on a foreign contract and arguing that you're not tax resident, that, that could fall foul of those rules. Uh, again, your nationality would have an impact on that. So if you're, um, <clears throat> if you're non-European nationality um, and uh, you're splitting your time between the UK and another jurisdiction, uh, but carrying the contract out abroad, if you're habitually going back into the UK all the time, then um, I said that wrong. If you keep going back to your home country, in your home country, in your home country, even though you're doing the work and the business based elsewhere, the home country could could tie you back up again on on your on your residency. How have I done? Um, I've covered a lot, I've said a lot, I've not put anything on my whiteboard and uh, I'm sorry for that lack of visual. But what we've covered today, the question that we've asked is, is residents or non-residents? And that, that was the question. <clears throat> what we've said is that residents and where you live is not the same as tax residents. Um, and domicile is not the same as tax residents. Um, and, and domicile and tax residents are not the same as citizenship. So we all have our citizenship. Uh, expats can take up a residence in another country, and even EU residents need to take up that, that residency permit uh, before they can become a tax resident in that other country. So you either need a residency permit or a visa. Uh, that, that tax residence then allows you to set that place as your tax resident. Uh, once you've got your residency established uh, for your worldwide income, and it can draw in things like bank interest, royalties, uh, uh, dividends, uh, and, and pension annuities, um, so, so, uh, subject to the double taxation treaty. However, some incomes might still be fixed and some in incomes might be conflicted. So there might be a dual taxation situation but you'll never pay more under the double taxation treaty than the highest rate of, of, of one of the, uh, of the two uh, competing tax authorities. If you have all your tax residents worldwide in one jurisdiction, then you've got a, a clear picture. If you've got property, business and assets across border, then it, it's complicated and you need to follow the rules on registration and guidance to ensure that you have the, the benefit of those uh, tax rules. <clears throat> where your vital interests are, where your permanent home is, that's a key difference, and, and where you're habitually traveling in and out of. Uh, so if you've got a lifestyle where you, you're spending uh, 10 months of the year in one country working, and you're taking short trips in and out of that, but you're still essentially based in that country, then your, your tax will be um, uh, secured. Uh, but your, your domicile always has to be considered. Your domicile is not necessarily your, your, uh, your citizenship that you've got at the moment. Expats after five years can become permanent residents and potentially citizens of, of another country. But that doesn't affect your domicile. You can still come from the U UK come from Cyprus, come from Spain, <coughs> come from the USA. Um, your domicile, if you're taxed in another jurisdiction for 17 years, 
you can change your domicile. And that might be an attractive proposition to protect you, you and your family and your business from entrepreneur tax on disposal of a business. It could protect you from inheritance tax at 40%. Um, and, and it could uh, uh, protect your pensions uh, from tax as well. Um, so there's lot, lots of different rules that come into play. And it's quite difficult. What ProAct offer, um, we've got a retained client service where from um, 30 pounds a month or 300 a year, you get uh, on, ongoing guidance and advice through the year, including consultant reviews uh, to, to give you the answers that you need. But if you need to, there's other information that backs this up and gives you that more core information. If you want a free review uh, and you want us to help with the UK or, or international tax rates, residency or registration issue, then contact us at productpartnership.com. You can chat with us live on our, our live uh, product chat uh, where we confidentially ask questions and guidance from our advisors and consultants. Uh, you can jump on that and register at productpartnership.co.uk um, uh, and come along and see see what we've got to offer and if we can help you. And you, and you can then either book meetings online for free or, or sign up and join as a retained client for more deep dive value service. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, so the question uh, today is resident or non-resident. They're not the same, they're different. And if you need clarification on your situation, contact us at productpartnership.com. Thanks for listening. I'm just gonna check if there's any, any questions. Here we are. I've got a couple of questions and I'm gonna try and answer them now. There are some absolutes in tax residence. So Sam asked another Sam, if you spend more than 183 days in the UK, um, then or in any country, you become tax resident in that country. That that is that is that is a given. Uh, the only way to be certain to be non-resident as a UK expat is to not be in the country for more than 16 days. Um, as soon as you're more than 16 days, you have to consider what your situation, and that varies depending upon whether you've been in the country as a resident in the last three years or, or, or beyond three years, as well as what your domicile is. And, and we talked about uh, habit, habitual issues, uh, vital interest, permanent homes. Uh, so 183 is automatically tax resident. You can have 180 days in the UK as a UK expat, one year is an exception. It will bring with it ties and bring with it restrictions, but if the family needed it for that one year, then you could do that. There's also a, an option to claim for exceptional circumstances, quite narrowly defined, but if there's a serious family illness uh, uh, or, or something that has to be dealt with in the UK, then, then that would be a way to, to, to deal with that. Um, with UK inheritance tax, um, this is your last tax return. You're dead. 
uh, you're applying from UK probate to settle your affairs in the UK, which might be premium bonds, which are fixed in the UK, or shares, or it could be a property in the UK. All these fixed um, registered assets in the UK require a UK administration, either by resealing or, or a new application from the UK. And, and with that application for probate, you make your last tax return, which is an inheritance tax return. And the UK are obviously going to look then at what your ties are to the UK. Uh, so the worst case scenario is, is that, you know, at the end of life, having lived abroad as an expat for many years, you come back to the UK thinking that you're non-domicile after 25 years abroad, but coming back and being sick and dying in the UK for six months uh, could bring you back under the scope of uh, the UK's highest grossing and fastest rising tax, which is uh, inheritance tax at 40% on your worldwide income, noting that with UK expats, if you're still domiciled, um, you're still liable to inheritance tax, but only on your UK-based assets, which would be premium bonds, property and the like. The, so the 16 days uh, in the first three years is the one uh, way to guarantee that you're non-residents that's what it does you can spend more than 16 days and then it depends upon your ties and and all the other issues that we're talking about where your permanent home is where you you're, you're habitually living where your vital interests are uh, so that's the key so 16 days is, is the absolute to be non-resident um and and then depending upon your ties 40 46 days, which is half of three months, is the next figure, uh, and then 90 days. But it needs to be clear, when you're looking at non-resident rules uh, with ties for 90 days, um, uh, everybody's allowed into the UK on short personal business trips up to 90 days, and that won't normally affect your, your tax resident. It's only if you're domicile, um, and your and your recent history of, of tax resident status affects it that, that it comes into question to look at the 16, 45 and 90 day rule. So you should be able to go on, on short personal trips and holidays, but if you spend too long in the UK, then yes, they've got the right, if your domicile is the UK, to claim you back uh, to, to be uh, a tax resident on shorter than, than the normal days. But you could, depending upon your circumstance, uh, spend 120 days normally in the UK and still uh, get away with being non-resident. It depends upon your circumstances, and that's something that we evaluate uh, in, in our free reviews and, and for our retained clients. So, yeah, it always depends. Um, resident or not resident, that is the question. Uh, there's another question here. Um, okay, I think I've answered all the questions that I can see, and I can't answer anything more. Uh, we've got 
a product chat. So if you if you dive onto productpartnership.co.uk, if you're not registered already, register on there and you, you can ask them more questions. Um, because I think when I end this stream, uh, you may or may not be able to still comment and ask your questions. If you answer, if you leave more comments and questions here, we will get back to you and answer those questions. Uh, next week's live webinar wraps up the uh, this UK series where we're going to look a bit more at capital gains tax and inheritance tax. And um, I'm going to at least have a desk to make this presentation. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you again next time. Bye bye.